Hi everyone. So today what I want to talk to you about is what I originally intended to speak about um, in my last episode because I ended up speaking about manipulative relationships and like boundaries inside relationships. But what I originally wanted to speak about is something that I touched on on the episode about being wrong or bad or like the fear of being wrong or bad and how that makes people manipulatable. And that's what I wanted to speak about and to address because it touches on like the more rigid our idea about ourselves is, the more manipulatable we are. And so I spoke about the button called fear, which is like the one of the best ways to have people do whatever whoever wants them to do. And then the good person, like the fear of not being a good person or being made wrong or bad. And like, that's the thing. So like, sometimes we have a rigid idea of who we are and like what type of person we want to be. And we have this idea of what it means to be a good person. And so we are ready to do what it takes so that the idea that we have of ourselves is somewhat closer to the reality in which we live in. And so that's the trap people fall into, is trying to make things different than they actually are in order to control the idea that we have of ourselves. And that's where someone who is aware of like your inner code can actually just press those buttons and have you do whatever they want you to do. And that's where it comes back to the more open you are, the more curious you are about everything, about your beliefs, about your reality, about why you think what you think, and the more connected you are to the sensations in your body, the less manipulatable you actually are just because you're open to all the possibilities. And so let's say you believe you want to be a good mother and you have your idea of what it means to be a good mother. And then someone says, well, a good mother would blah, blah, blah. And then like, if you're, if you're shaky in your own idea of what it means to be a good mother. And if your reference points are external, meaning that you're only a good mother because you do 100% what whatever book said, or you're only a good mother because your mom says you're a good mother, or because you do the same as your mom and your grandmother did, or you're only a good mother because the school says, you're doing what the school says or what whatever external authority. And that's what I mean by when your reference points are external and your inner reference points are shaky, well, then anything can throw off the idea of yourself and the identity you created. And it's like, it's like fragile. And so instead of having this inner deep grounded knowing of who you are and like how nothing external means anything about you, well, then nobody can come and shake your inner foundation. And so that's the thing that creates self-doubt is when your reference points are external. And then somebody throws something in to challenge the external, like the rigidity of the external validation. And then as soon as we feel that like there's a breach 
and like the image that someone could have of us, well, then we want to repair the breach and then run to do whatever the thing the person wanted us to do. And so that's, it comes back to, yeah, the more rigid. And I, I really, I speak to, to this from a place of like really having been through these moments where like you're at the time having no boundaries and having essentially no sense of self other than like seeing myself through the eyes of someone else. And then like having those people like challenge, like, are you really this way? Or like, yeah. And it's just like, if you see yourself only through the lens of someone else, first of all, people who can truly see you for who you are, like are rare. And most of them are seeing you. They're not even seeing you. They're seeing their own idea of who you are or who you should be. And so your sense of self, when you see yourself through the, the lens or through the eyes of someone else, like it's never you. And so it, it comes back to the this connection to yourself, to your emotions, to your inner world, so that nothing can shake that, nothing can take that away from you. And as strange as it may seem, like the more the more the life you create from a place of ego crumbles and falls, the closer you are to who you actually are. And like I know this is scary for some people because especially when like I've been having these conversations with many people and people are like I love the life that I created for myself. I love the idea of myself. And so, of course, that's not conducive to giving anyone the motivation to actually dig and find out what's there. And so I think there's really this place where it takes a certain amount of like, suffering to a certain degree or like dissatisfaction or a sense that something is off or a void if it, it, it like it's like the emptiness is almost necessary to give someone the motivation to dig deeper and to find out like truths truths about ourselves about the functioning of the world about our family systems about like how things work and so if you're satisfied with where you are, like that's not enough for you to go digging and try to look for some answers. But then if you do feel like something is off, so if you have a connection to yourself and you create this super successful life, so in the eyes of the external authority, you will have um, a body that looks healthy just because it meets certain criteria. So it looks healthy. And you will have a financial situation that looks okay or desirable, like, oh, you're making good money, whatever. And then you will have a life situation that makes sense according to the narrative. Oh, you have a relationship, good for you. And then like, oh, you have kids and you have a house and you have maybe a lake house and a boat and a car and whatever. And so you're just following through the motions of like, creating this successful life according to society's norms but you have if you have a connection to yourself at some point if you're not following your soul's purpose if you're not if you're not that in alignment with what you created you feel a void 
you feel the emptiness. You feel that something is off and you're like, why, what is off if I'm supposed to have everything that like everybody else wants? And then that's the thing. So you can have a little whisper or a little feeling that something is off. And sometimes you need to actually be in a life where nothing makes sense. So like you're, what you're doing for a living, the work doesn't make sense. The money doesn't make sense. The relationship doesn't make sense. Your relationship to your body doesn't make sense. So like when people get like super tired or sick or like, um, quit their job or lose their job or like the relationship ends, like sometimes it takes that for somebody to have the desire to wake up and then to kind of examine like how they got there. And I know from, from my experience that like, that's what I needed at the time. Cause I had this, um, tendency to see life through rose colored glasses. And so my default thinking was like, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. I can do this. I'm strong, like keeping the positive thinking, But that's the thing. When your positive thinking is preventing you from seeing reality, it's not serving you. Like that's just called denial. And I was totally in denial of like everything. I was justifying and explaining and rationalizing everything instead of listening to my body or my sensations screaming to me that that was enough. And sometimes when you are so disconnected from yourself that you can't hear that, you really need life to come smash you uh and like tell you in your face like this doesn't work so let me help you and I'll just like throw everything away and then once life does that to you or your reality well then you have you don't really have a choice but to look and then again you always have a choice so you could just go and rebuild exactly what you had like nobody's forcing you to look but then if there is enough Like there's comes a point where sometimes you have had enough of things repeating themselves of like not feeling like life is fulfilling, nourishing, fun. And like there is something there like life is truly, truly magical when you take the time to pause and to actually be aware of the experience of being inside a body. And in my recent experiences of like creating life and then giving birth and breastfeeding and seeing children grow and like how they discover everything for the first time. And that made me realize just how much the environment in which we are, the current reality, the society in which we are does not make sense from the viewpoint of a new child coming into the world and like preserving the child's essence in order for a child to be functional in today's modern society we need to make him different than what than how he is when he's born and that just struck me and so through observing my children i cultivated a relationship with them And at the same time, I cultivated that relationship with myself in giving them what they needed in order to thrive and like without trying to modify. So like I was really observing, like just a quiet observer, like it's totally the difference between like looking at flowers and smelling them and finding them beautiful and like 
picking them and like ripping them out of the soil and then having the, the flower die. And so like, I was more in a curious observation of my kids and like how connected they were to the sensations in their body. A child does not like wonder, it, like they don't overthink it. So a baby has a sensation in their body. The sensation may be hot, cold, um, hungry, or like uncomfortable because of their diaper, but it's just a sensation. And when they feel a sensation, they express it. And the thing is, for lack of words, they express it through crying, but it's still like the, they have a, a sensation, they express, and then they express themselves until the sensation goes away. But they don't have an idea of what the sensation means, and they don't continue thinking about the sensation once it's gone. And so there's this really this relationship of like sensations and emotions coming through like a wave and just like listening and honoring what that sensation or that emotion has to tell us. And so I was observing my kids as they grew up and then later they become toddlers and just like discovering the world. And then like wondering why we feel this pressing need for like children to, yeah, just everything, like all the milestones that we want children to accomplish because we want to make them into adults, not adults, but like grownups. Cause I was just reading this book, which I found was like a super great analogy, meaning like grownups are just children in adult bodies and adults are actually emotional adults who know themselves and who are emotionally mature and like aware of what's going on. And so, yeah, grownups. Um, so we want to turn children into grownups as fast as possible. It's like from the moment they're born, the only objective is for them to sleep through the night, to eat properly, to clean up like to take up as less space as possible to go to school and like leave us alone. And then it's like, to me, that just, that didn't make sense at all. And so I, it made me question like what I wanted to teach them and how I wanted to preserve them. And so like, I kind of realized that where children come from, like they're connected to the whole, they're connected to the cosmos, they're connected to this magical essence of life. And then without realizing it, we as adults and as a society and as like parents, we disconnect them from their connection to themselves and to the whole. And then I, when I realized that that's what most people were doing, I decided that I wanted to do things differently. And so my process was really observing, learning, like what do my children need and how can I provide that for them? And all the while, like giving it to myself. So then what do I need and how do I give myself what I need so that I'm able to give to them from a place of overflow? And I have the feeling that like this went kind of on a tangent um, again, but I just want to say that it's all about the connection to your inner knowing versus like learning and being conditioned to answer to some external authority and starting from childhood where a child wants love and approval from their parent and they learn to do or say as they are told instead of um, doing or saying what is true for them in the moment and in their body and like it's it's easy to fall into the trap but like the the key is teaching them about 
honoring the sensations in their body. And so instead of saying like, it's time to go to bed or it's time to eat, it's like, let's take the time to scan together the sensations in your body. Like, how do you feel? Is there a sensation in your tummy? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? What do you, what do your eyes feel like? Do you want to rub your eyes? And then like, we have this code, like I already mentioned about like the, the three stages of being tired. Well, then there are signals when a body is hungry. And so it's just noticing and observing. And like when you're really sensitive to like the little changes in your, like when you're attuned to your child, you know, as soon as something is off, whether it be hunger or like sleep So like food, sleep, and then even any emotional or physical something, like as soon as something's off, you know, when you're really attuned and you take the time to observe. And so it's just cultivating that relationship. And then, so in my awareness of my children, I develop the awareness of myself and being able to give myself that. And so sometimes like I remind myself, like I'm scanning the inside of my body for sensations. And then I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. And then I would ask Emmerich, like, do you have a sensation in your body or whatever? And so it's just, um, yeah, that's what I meant to. And so that starts in childhood. And then we go through life and we kind of are disconnected from that. And we develop the identity. Oh yeah. And like, again, in childhood where people are like, this here's what a good girl does or a good boy does and then like we want to preserve that idea of ourselves and sometimes parts of us are made wrong or bad and so in order to not be wrong or bad we kind of do the opposite oh yeah so that there's two things so like there's the idea of yourself that you want to preserve and there's also the idea of what you absolutely do not want to be which keeps you like again acting in a way that is not authentic to you because it's like you're acting from a place of like reaction you're reacting to the idea that you think someone has of you and so yeah there's something really precious and important in like having that inner sense of self because that cannot be unaltered and what I meant to say earlier is that like when everything crumbles like I remember having a thought randomly I think around the year 2016, where I was like, everybody, they or whoever can take everything away from me. It doesn't change the slightest bit who I am. It's like, you can take everything from me. It doesn't change who I am. You can think anything you want of me. It doesn't change who I am. And then the next step for me was like, who am I? (laughs) And then like digging through. And that was a super fun process looking back. Now today it's fun in the, in the, like it, yeah, it wasn't easy, but all of this to say, like we contort ourselves. And that's what I was saying to someone else. Um, like no matter how hard you try when you're performing, like you have this idea of yourself and you're trying to contort yourself and to bend over backwards, to try to be perfect, to try to be lovable, to try to be likable, to try to have the approval, no matter how hard you try, there will always be someone who finds something to hate about you. And so then why even try to be someone you're not? You can just be yourself and the people who love you will love you for who you truly are. And those who will, who won't, 
well, there are always going to be people who don't like you. And so like, once you come to the fact that like, it's impossible for you to be loved by everyone, like universal, perfect person that everybody loves. No, like, of course, everybody like people's stuff get projected onto you and whatever. So you could be the most, uh, the nicest, uh, most perfect um, character that you created and people are still going to find a way to dislike something about you. And so given the fact that that is reality, you might as well give yourself full permission to be the most the truest, most authentic version of you and something closer to who you were when you were unaltered by all the rest of life. And then it's part of the process. So it's like, it's the game. I find, I think that it is the game. So like you're born and then you go through this process and you kind of like put on masks and shield of armor and like different outfits and like you try it on. And then you're like, okay, now the game is to find underneath it all, who was I before I started putting on these masks? And yeah, so there's something fun in that. And so um, that feels complete for me for today. Um, I'm always open if you have questions or suggestions or if if, like something I say, like you just want uh, further development. Like, I'm always happy to answer any questions that you might have. And like, that's what the podcast is for. It's like me verbalizing things from the inside of my heart, but also like clarifying and giving information. If you have any question or anything that's coming up for you, like I'm, I'm always happy to answer any questions. And so have a super great day. Bye.